Welcome to Next Level Shit, where our host, Dave Warner, digs out the best of the best of our guests and discusses the things that put you on a quest to rise above the rest. He'll tease out their backgrounds, their motivations, their struggles, how they got to where they are today, and we'll have fun doing it. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, and tell your friends. Now, sit back, sip on a cold one, and enjoy the show. Next Level Shit. Super sexy. We're ready to rock. So we got you available uh, remotely right now on the Anchor app since you're, I don't know where in the world. Every time I talk to you, it's someplace different. Um, so I don't know what time zone you're in or what you're up to. So hopefully your morning, afternoon, evening is going good. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I'm up here. Uh, I'm in New Brunswick. Uh, I'm in New Brunswick, Canada, actually. Uh, my girlfriend is, uh, is Canadian and um, Super awesome. That's what everybody asks me, man. They're like, what are you doing in Canada? You're American. You were born in Mississippi. What are you doing there? And I'm like, I, yeah, I could show you what she looks like, man. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. No choice. Beautiful. So uh, real quick, I just want to give a background kind of how we met. Uh, you came up with Josh uh, from Funker and uh, Pool 30, uh, and we're in the neighborhood. He said, I got uh, JD. Uh, I had recognized you from a survivalist show. Uh, that I had watched in the past and was super excited to get you in. Uh, the second you came through the door, we started talking knives with Dave from uh, Wanger Blades, and uh, we're doing some demonstrations on some Kali and some Eskrima and some other things. Uh, my head immediately went to, I need to dress up as an Antifa guy and fight this man with a pink dildo. Um, so I jumped on Grinder. They have a marketplace. I don't know if everybody knows that. Uh, I jumped on there and I found a gently used pink dildo. And uh, I went out in a field and, and I tried to attack you. And you're the only man that's ever stuffed a dong in my mouth. So that, that's kind of a one-of-a-kind one of uh, opportunity you got there. Yeah, I'm going to fill in the necessary blanks to that story so that this doesn't <laughs> go right off the rails immediately. <laughs> so he asked me with it. And here's the thing, man. I was in the United States Army uh, 101st Airborne Division uh, in 2nd Battalion, 187, the Rakasans. And, man, we, we don't make them squeamish there. So he was like, I'm going to swing a dildo at you. I was like, get to getting get to getting <laughs> there's no sacred cow nothing <laughs> like everything's up for jokes man so uh you, you know like all you guys man super super great people over there at uh, next level armament absolutely amazing Lo loved everybody thought it was great just a great. bunch of hard-working guys having fun and uh and making fantastic product man it's i mean top to bottom it was appreciate amazing. that appreciate that well i want to kind of jump in and give me you know you, you obviously have a wealth of knowledge in, you know, the martial arts and all these other things. Uh, you're the one that turned me on to, you know, Kali when I started taking that. Uh, you told me when I started, hey, man, you're, you're going to get super frustrated with this because you're not going to learn it as fast as you want to. You were 100% correct in that. I did it for about six months, and then I, I busted my leg. Uh, and then I kind of messaged you, what can I do to keep active and uh, keep moving and, and learning, you know, the skill set? And uh, you suggested some uh, jujitsu, so I did that uh, for about six months until we got to this Corbid thing. So uh, obviously the gyms are shut down here now. Um, just kind of give me some background on, you know, how you grew up, how you got into the service, how you got the skill set that you have now, what kind of training you've done. Man, um, yeah, that boy, that's a, that's a vast question. Uh, I'll keep it as concise as I can. Uh, so um, I was actually born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, and... Um, <clears throat> You know, the standard story for 
super young. Uh, they're great people, just irreconcilable stuff, you know. Wound up in uh, downtown Charlotte, North Carolina, where I learned, um, I actually wound up studying quite a few different disciplines. I'd gotten into Taekwondo and, and um, like, that's the obligatory thing because when I came up, you know, I mean, if you're talking about, you're talking about the 80s, man, like, martial arts was what your parents drove past in the shopping complex. Like, there was no, you know. Then Karate Kid came out and you were hooked? Yeah, I was done, man. Dude, I, actually, <laughs> I saw Van Damme's kickboxer, and I was like, bro, it's over. <laughs> over. Death touch right now. Where is it? And it's not there. Damn it. Um, but I trained in a variety of systems. I trained in uh, Taekwondo underneath Robert Summers. Uh, he's still an active instructor, amazing guy. Um, and uh, he's been champion in several events. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a good foundation. Then boxing came along, and then wrestling came along, and then it – you, you just wind up running in those circles. And so I was an inquisitive guy. And, and um, I mean, I, I wanted to know what you knew. How did you beat me? What, what was that? How did you do it? And, um, and then, uh, of course, I, you know, I moved back to, to Mississippi where I would put some of those fighting abilities into functionality, unfortunately. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a problem down there with, um, with domestic violence. And, uh, you know, you get caught in the middle of it and you wind up fighting somebody a lot bigger than you. And so you learn how to apply skills and abilities to something at a situation at an age you're not really prepared for. I mean, let me tell you, man, adults are super quick when they want to punch you in the face and you're a Yeah. And um, and so you you learn about timing and technique and you learn about, um, you know, violence. And um, I didn't like it. I didn't like oppression. I didn't like the, the idea that people could be oppressed and beat down and through that oppression could then be violated. Um, you know, I mean, you, you know, you wake up and, you know, the latest junkie is taking all of your, you don't have a PlayStation anymore. You don't own your, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't. Stop. And so um, I wanted out of it and I wanted to give my sisters a better example on, on what a person and a man could be. And so I decided that I would, um, I would volunteer for military school um, down there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's the Youth Challenge Academy. Okay, what, that, what, what age was that? Oh, God, I was, um, Jesus, 16, maybe, 16 when I went. Nice. So, so I travel in, and, and um, I did everything. I loved it, man. I loved the military. I loved the structure. I loved the lifestyle. I, I liked eating. That was rad. Um, <laughs> I liked... Uh, you know, people yelling at me didn't bother me like it did everybody else. You know, I'm like, guys, this is Tuesday. And so I, I what I started to discover is a hardened mind um, to, to what was happening. And, and that, that mindset is absolutely critical in anything that you do in your training. Without a hardened mindset, without a willingness to defend yourself and an ability to have enough um, stress inoculation, um, you know, to, to in, even engage, to get past the panic of being in a physical encounter, man, if you don't have that, it's, you're wasting your time. And so that was kind of forged in my life accidentally. Um, it was, it was incidental. It's not something I went out and sought. And in fact, I, I wanted the polar opposite. <laughs> and, um, so as soon as I got home, I didn't want to be there. I graduated uh, military school. I was um, cadet of the cycle. I did everything. I was a drill team nerd. I did everything I could. Um, and I was only home two weeks, and that's because the U.S. Army wouldn't take me any faster. And I, I enlisted in the United States Army at the age of 17. Nice. Like, I mean, I was at the recruiter's office every day. I was like, bro, can I go now? Like, <laughs> oh. I was like, how about now? No. 
How about now? You want to be a trucker? Hell no. All right, then not now. And then the day came. And um, so I went to the military and processing center and I was sent to Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, first of the 50th um, Alpha Company for basic training. Um, I enlisted as an 11, uh, at the time, it was 11 X-ray, which was like an unidentified kind of thing. Like they just kind of throw you wherever they want to throw you. Yeah. And um, so I had no real idea. And then um, I made it through basic training, uh, which was, you know, all the usual, man. You know, you get there, you get the peanut butter shot in the butt. You're full of needles. You're half sick. You feel like you're going to die. And then people load you into a cattle truck. And again, everybody panicked and they're getting screamed at. And I'm like, this is all fine. This is fine. <laughs> this is normal. Yeah. Then an adult threatened to kill me. And I was like, oh, again, Tuesday. He was good at it. <laughs> He was clever, man. Yeah. I didn't think you could do that with a spoon to a human, but damn it, he was going to attempt it. I believe it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the usual stuff, man, you know, lots of push-ups, and everybody's got the crappy basic training stories. Did heavy weapons training uh, there afterwards. Um, was trained in a uh, tow missile system. And uh, we had to do some uh, cross-training with the, uh, at the time, the Dragons, which was uh, – kind of our um, man-portable uh, anti-tank weapon of choice prior to the Javelin. And um, then it was off to, uh, off to Airborne School. Uh, the, the genius design of Airborne School is that there is a bar literally across from the company area. Like, there, it's the... <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, dude, there's a bar. I mean, you, if you fell and rolled at enough velocity, you'd be through the front door from the company, from the barracks door. It's from- that's, prob- that's probably happened before. Oh, promise, <laughs> promise, can confirm. Um, but then, you know, I met really high speed. I met some studs, man. I met, I met guys that were, you know, in that SEAL pipeline. I met, uh, I met some, some amazing Marines. Uh, I have tremendous respect uh, for, obviously, the United States Army and its, uh, its other sister branches. I, I really do. Um, there was a veiled jab in there. But uh, Airborne was great. Um, jumped out of planes. Um, did my best to slow the rate of descent enough to not die. It's a good thing. Yep. And, and just around all these studs, man, just training all day, you know, push up challenges, pull up challenges, seals are PT freaks, man. So, you know, uh, and then get drunk, uh, and then fight and then do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, cause somebody inevitably is going to say enough shit about the army or the Navy that there's going to be a fight. Oh yeah. Um, which, um, uh, so, you know, graduated that, uh, my, the highlight of that was asking, was finding out in a classroom where it was explained to me that when my canopy deploys on my parachute at 1600 feet, that I should be investigating it for holes that might potentially be larger than my helmet. Oh, nice. So I was like, I, I'm, I'm that guy. I raised my hand. I was like, sorry, airborne. I'm not, what's not sure what's more concerning. The fact that they're there, there will be holes in my parachute or the fact that they might be larger than my helmet. And uh, he replied with, well, don't worry about it, Airborne. Check your rate of descent. And if you're, if you're falling too fast, you got the rest of your life to figure out how to get that reserve parachute open. <laughs> yeah. Good advice. <laughs> I would have laughed harder if that wasn't eight seconds and I knew it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Then you're a lawn dart. Um, <laughs> And then uh, I was super stoked to go to an airborne unit, and I got uh, orders to the 101st Airborne. And um, 
Uh, it's a it's a prestigious unit. It's one of the most uh, pound for pound. I think it's I think it's one of the most devastating fighting forces on the planet, composed of absolute professionals, top to bottom. They're an amazing division, um, and uh, I, it was my I was humbled to be there. It was it was absolutely incredible. Uh, the rest of it's the short story, man. I did dumb private shit like we all do, you know, fucked up inspections, got yelled at, shit like that. You know, drank too much on the weekends and trained and just kind of enjoyed my time in the army, man. Like. Um, it was hard training, though, and I, I often thought it was too hard, you know, but there's another piece, man. It, it taught me to push myself beyond the bounds of what I thought I was capable of, far and away. Um, and we're all capable of that. I watched them transform people into that by making it necessary. What you make necessary, you will apply effort to. Agreed, 100%. You know, if you're willing to, if you, you know, I mean, if you want it, you'll find a way to get it. And if you don't, you're going to give me an excuse as to why you don't. But in the military... And in that unit specifically, in the Rakasans, they maintain a very high standard. And, um, you know, it, in that case, any excuse was an explanation of failure, and failure was intolerable. And so it kind of taught me to be a man. Beautiful. Like, I got to, okay, I got to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, made my mistakes and learned, you know, you learn more from errors than you do anything else. And got pretty good on the 50, wound up attached to a uh, Delta company um, in Humvees. So I was running the 50 uh, most of the time because I had actually excelled as a 50 caliber machine gunner. And um, lo and behold, man, I'm coming back from the range one day with a, a good friend of mine now passed away by his own hand a few years ago. Um, he's my best friend. Um, we're Bob Fredette. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were getting out of a Humvee and we just came back from the pistol range and those Beretta 92Fs. Man, bro, I got things to say about that. I hate that weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate that weapon. But anyway, we'd come back from the range, and he, man, he was a great shot with a rifle. He was an excellent team leader. Boy, he couldn't shoot a pistol to save his ass. And I was, I was giving him shit about it, and when we were leaving, I said, God damn, bro, you, you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. <laughs> like, we're going to get you a hand grenade with a scope. And because uh, this guy had been home for, you know, Thanksgiving dinners and shit like that. So we knew when it was time to dial up the army and uh, everybody was training in the quad area there and everybody took off running. You know, they, they took off and I thought, what the hell's going on? And some guy yelled back at me, said, we're under attack. First thing I thought was, I was like, what absolute moron was fucking dumb enough to attack Fort Campbell? Like, bad plan. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so everybody's racing in there. And bear in mind, I'm the, I'm the tender age of 19 at this point. I've been in my regiment for two years. And uh, I run into a room, and I, I, I'm like, what's all this debris? What's going on? That's New York City. And then I watched the second plane hit the tower. And uh, we, were, we were aghast at what was happening, absolutely aghast. And um, then... Um, you know, I watched it go down and, and, and they came in the room and, and, and it was real shit. You know, it was real life, man. I, I yeah. thought I was going to be four years and, you know, get out like everybody else or maybe stay in. I kind of liked it. I was thinking about staying in. And, um, then all hell broke loose. I mean, it, like it, it, was, it was so surreal because people were talking about giving us live ammo and deploying us on the continental United States. And we did just that to a location that, uh, that is, um, well, it's a, it's a chemical weapons facility. 
Um, and they sent us out there to guard that. We set up blocking positions. As far as I'm aware, none of this is a problem for me to talk about, but we set up blocking positions. It wasn't anything serious. Um, you know, just set up blocking positions everywhere and, and with sandbags and, and Humvees. And, you know, most of it was show of force. Never had to hurt anybody or even threaten anybody. People just, you know, it was mostly staff um, that came near it. And I never really saw the interior compound. So I don't really know anything more to tell you than that. But then the marching orders were given uh, that we were going to deploy to Afghanistan and that we had been hand-selected by Department of the Army to participate. So uh, we had an opportunity to uh, see the president. That was pretty cool. Very nice. Yep, he showed up to Fort Campbell. Um, and uh, then we were, we were sent to combat. And um, it was... Um, it was wild, man. We landed in Germany, and then and then we were in Afghanistan, and we were in Kandahar Airfield. The rest is right there, smack dab in the middle of the history books. Except uh, one of the pieces uh, of it that they have the photos of now is there was a, a famous landmine strike on a Humvee, and where uh, it blew up on the truck, and everybody goes, "God, can you imagine the damage?" And I'm like, "I don't have to. I was, I was <laughs> literally next to it, homie." Yeah. Crazy. So, um, and that, that kind of led to the, a lot of hard lessons were, were learned there. A lot of bad, a lot of, you know, bad calls that I saw, bad decisions from leadership, my own bad decisions under pressure. Um, you know, but I, I, I did my best to learn and I did my best um, to be an asset while I was there. And uh, like we all did, you know, like we all did. And, um, but I saw a lot and I learned a lot and I learned that a lot of things I was hearing in the martial arts community just weren't real. You know, like guys are like, you slap the guy like this and he falls down. And I'm like, dude, I just watched a guy run 150 meters holding his guts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? You slap somebody in the face, man. He, if he thinks he's going to, if he thinks that, if you think you're going to die as a human, your body goes through physiological like changes. Like you suck blood out of the appendages. It pads the, the organs, you keep oxygen-rich blood near the heart, lungs, and brain, and your body prioritizes that over everything else. You lose your tactile sense. You lose your pain. You, you only register pressure. You know, there's no pain. I think you know that. Yeah. Just pressure. Yeah. And, and so these amazing changes happen, and I'm like, guys, like, I think the Greeks figured out fighting. Like, boxing? <laughs> You know, kicking and boxing and wrestling, like these are the only guaranteed things that really manifest underneath these conditions where, you know, an additional effect is your hands don't really work anymore. You know, I mean, how many times have you seen somebody hunt that slide stop lever? Yeah. And, you know, you, you don't, you can't feel your hands. Your hands are clubs or clamps. And so I see these very advanced ideas about things and I'm like, and that, that sounds great, man, but put into the stress of an actual, an actual fight, the most gross motor, I mean, o almost ridiculous motions you can go through are the things that, almost exaggerated, are what is actually going to manifest. Yeah, and that's one, one of the reasons why when I reached out to you uh, probably a year and a half ago and was asking about, you know, I took a bunch of different classes and it was all like, well, if the guy stands here and does this, then you can grab him like this. I'm like, I want to go live. I want full speed. I want this to be muscle memory for me. I don't want to be thinking about, well, okay, he's on the left side now, so I got to do this. And and that's why I really appreciate you turning me on to those two different styles. Um, they're, they're very, very useful. 
and everything is full speed. Uh, so you learn that muscle memory and it's a reaction instead of having to think about things. Right, right. And it, that, that's really what's imperative is that like, the, the thing to remember is when everybody talks about this martial art or that martial art, I'm like, all they're really doing is teaching you how to move your body in a way that you didn't know to move it before. And you can channel that into, I have a, a pretty simple mantra for what, what hand-to-hand combat or what aggression needs to look like. Um, and I think a human being can do three things. They can see, breathe, and walk. And if you take away two of those, you win. Yep. So, I mean, because the, the you know, a, a lot of people see the martial arts, and I love the martial arts, and I love the pretty side of the martial arts, man. I'm not hating on you out there right now. If you're in Kung Fu and it's healthy and it's, it's good for you, man, or if you're a kid and instead of being out causing trouble, you're throwing kicks in a dojo or a dojang somewhere, like, dude, more power to you, man. More power to you. Check out jujitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, and Kali, but yes, you're, you're, on the right, you're on the right track. You know, do you. Uh, but, but in practicality, man, in practicality, you, you really aren't throwing a technique. People get so obsessed with techniques. A technique is designed to create an effect. That's it. Full stop. That's what it does. So don't be so, and this is in the firearms world as well. You know, these guys, they get so obsessed with the technique. And I'm like, look, man, make it work. Like, what, why are you doing it? The why of it is lost in the how. Agree. Yeah. And, and the, the only thing you did give me a heads up on was, you know, you're like, oh, you wrestled, you'll be fine at jujitsu was going to your base in a wrestling base against someone that's doing jujitsu was a terrible idea. I, I, I was like, oh, I'm good on the ground. And then I went to my base. I just get the shit choked out of me. So I, I learned that pretty quick. Um, I learned that I'm going to get choked out a lot, tap out a lot. Um, but I'm learning a lot really quick. So I really enjoy that. Did you find that you get the takedown? I'm going I'm to oh. see if I can read the tea leaves here. Did you find that you got yeah. the takedown and then oh. you got ruined? Oh, yeah. Yep. And then, like, we'd, we'd start in a 50-50 position, and, you know, they'd get back, and I'd automatically go to my base, which is what you're not supposed to do in jujitsu. So I'm on my hands and knees trying to sit out and switch, sit out and halo while I'm exposing my neck to get the shit choked out of me. So um, that didn't go so well, but uh, I'm learning. But there's the diagnosis right there. Then yeah. the idea is, you know, where do the modifications need to happen to see me be successful according to a repeated pattern where I have observed a deficiency in my defense? Like that's, that's all I've ever done in fighting and in anything that I've ever done in my life, including survival. You know, when I, I started learning survival skills is, okay, what, be, be real with yourself. Just look over and go, all right, what do I not know how to do? And then, you know, when, when you're not, when you're in a mental place where you're not afraid to be there, like, yo, man, I, like, you keep getting me here. Like, wh- what are you seeing? Like, what, what can I do to prevent this and maintain something that I'm already trained to do? Yes, you know, sir. or maybe the answer is you can't do that. You know, you yeah. have to throw that technique out, but don't throw out wrestling. It's, it's people get so baby with the bathwater about martial arts. Like, oh, I found jujitsu and now boxing is garbage. And I'm like, man, why is it either or? Can it be a yes and? Yeah, both is great. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. wonderful. Agree 100%. How is uh, quarantine life for me? It's been a little different here in Michigan. I'm kind of interested to see how it's been for you. I got people that are walking by me in my office. They don't even recognize me. I grew a meth stash. I got a mullet. I chipped my tooth. I look like Pablo Methcabar, man. I look terrible. I look crazy. <laughs> but my daughters are like, when are you going to get rid of that stuff? I said, you know what? I wake up every day. It's terrible stuff on the news. 
I wake up and look at myself in the mirror and I laugh. It makes me laugh. I'm going to leave it as long as I need to laugh at myself. So I, I crack <laughs> myself up every morning and I look crazy. Uh, Michigan's had, last I knew, I think 105 executive orders uh, in comparison to most of the states around us that are about 30, 25, and 22, I believe. Uh, how's Canada handling the whole Corbin thing up there? Bro, it's it's uh, it's definitely different. First of all, I want to address the fact that I just instantly pictured you as Michigan Theo Vaughn. Uh, right <laughs> I got to throw that out there, man. That's just right away. <laughs> uh, oh, that dude cracks me up, man. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. But, yeah, dude, uh, Canada's weird, man. Um, they're, they're still being really cautious about it. Um, I don't know what to think about it anymore. I'm not an epidemiologist, so I just kind of do what people tell me to do, you know, like everybody else. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, half of everybody's Facebook feed has the, the definitive YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't oh, watch any of it. Like, everybody, well, I got on there finally, and I'm like, you know, somebody's like, I've been leaving, you know, people have been like, I've been leaving I've been leaving a trail for you people to follow. And I'm like, man, didn't you fail the GED like twice? <laughs> I didn't like, graduate high school, so I'm not saying shit. <laughs> hey, man, I, you know, mine counts as a high school diploma from military school, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I'm like some of these masterminds out here. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, mm, uh, I'm, maybe, maybe no advice from you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you know the ones, guys. Yeah. Um, so... But yeah, so like with boxing and stuff, man, it's it's crazy. Like we have to fill out questionnaires and like, um, you know, I, I can't interact with a student really either. They're kind of bouncing back and forth. But, you know, we are doing some stuff with them. They're doing good things. Uh, I met the Oral Mukto Boxing Club, uh, Oral Mukto Canada uh, in New Brunswick. Um, and uh, uh, they're doing great things out there to keep the programs going. A lot of shadow boxing, more intensive technique work. And we're still getting some bag drills, but no sparring. No pads. Um, I did have a creepy experience, man. I went to I went to a grocery store, and there's this like, there's this woman talking on obviously what is a recording, and you hear, uh, and remember to obey social distancing. We're all in this together. And yeah. then I went to an entirely different store on the opposite side of town, and I hear, remember to obey social distancing. We're all in this together. Yeah, that's creepy, man. I'm like, I'm too stoned for this. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah, we got some weird stuff going on. I don't know if you're following any of the stuff going on uh, about this uh, Chaz. Chaz sounds like a dude that would move to another school and his family's got a lot of money and he'd steal your girlfriend. But uh, it actually stands for the uh, California Highway Anal Zone. So uh, you have to sleep with the leader and then you can get stuck into this compound in Seattle. Um, it's six city blocks that they have taken over and uh, they're, they're their own sovereign nation now. Um, they're, they've started little gardens and they're trying to figure out how to feed themselves. Uh, I made up the whole acronym for Chaz, but uh, that's really what it's called. I heard they're starting to call themselves Chopped. So you have these uh, originally, I think it was some Antifa people and uh, some other people wanted to uh, start their own area. Uh, they, they barricaded it all off. Uh, they, so they put up a border. Uh, no one's allowed in or out. Um, so that, that's kind of a weird thing that we got going on here. Just kind of wondering your thoughts. A lot of people are saying put military force in. Uh, other people are like, you know, leave them alone. And, and I'm fine if somebody wants to start this and has their own infrastructure, their own, you know, gas, water, their own monetary, whatever they're going to do. But these guys just kind of moved in and took over uh, City Hall, I believe, one of the police precincts. 
and, and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, I mean, my, my personal opinion, just kind of put a fence on the other side and let them have at it. And when they all don't have anything or any money, then just kind of rebuild it. You know, it's just uh, really awkward here, man. It's it's an incredibly awkward situation, and and uh, and and if we kind of freeze frame the the Chaz thing, um, man, uh, jump the shark. Like it, it, it's the jump. Like the problem is 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 that you know I, I I'm I'm I believe in the Constitution of the United States and the rights granted to the people, and 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 I think that we need to walk this thing back to see how we went so wrong with Chaz, um, and and where everybody's gone wrong. Um, I, I don't care uh, very much for, for the red-blue thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. United States of America uh, of three tours, um, now medically retired. I, I think that you're seeing the generals talk out right now, and I think a lot of guys are speaking out uh, against what is um, patently recklessness. Um, and it's, it's recklessness in, in, in the entirety of our governing body right now. And, um, and an escalation, um, it's, it's not – de-escalation it's actually escalation that we're looking at and both sides are guilty as hell red and blue man like guilty as hell yep uh, everybody everybody wants a but i bleed red i bleed blue i'm like how about everybody bleeds red white and blue and let's let's unify this shit and fix some stuff right exactly and that's kind of where i'm going with that man is that like you know when you look at um when you look at the people you know um like, for example, so first off, the left says if you don't, if you go outside during COVID-19, you're a monster and a social pariah. And then the right says, which is crazy, I, I think. Uh, but anyway, the right says, well, we want to go outside and we want to enjoy our rights right now. We don't care about this thing. And then that flips and the left says, everybody go out and protest. And the right goes, everybody go home. And I'm like, well, you people want <laughs> like my god yeah like yeah i i attended some of the uh i'm also a constitutionalist you know we were told to stay home i'm like you know everybody's everybody's an adult you know you, you can choose what you want to do if you have a healthy immune system you know you're feeling good you know you take care of yourself you eat clean you know and you want to open your business you should be able to if nobody goes there you'll probably close your business but you know, it's all you're an adult, right? And so we had a, a, a protest down in Lansing, and of course, you know, we went there. You stay in the car, and uh, you know, you everybody's beeping their horns and driving around the Capitol, and you know, it was really weird to me that you know the next day, all of a sudden, the media starts uploading photos of these Confederate flags and all these people running around. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't see any of that. So I Google reverse image it, and it's found in 2019 in a high school parking lot, two kids carrying Confederate flags. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. So they dig up things to try to keep this going, you know. But when I did that, I mean, people were posting on, on my MySpace. They're like, hey, man, you want people to die? Or are you trying to kill your grandparents? I'm like, I, I don't want anybody to die. Like, I'm just out here, you know, trying to speak up for people's rights. Right. And, and that's the thing, though, is that you can't actually, like, trying to get to const your constitutionally guaranteed rights right now is, like, I want you to envision, like, a narrow pathway that you can run down. And at the end or at the end is the constitution that grants you all of your rights. But in order to get there, you run through a gauntlet of red and blue on either side, holding baseball bats, swinging <laughs> for the fences. Yep. Like it is, it is patently insane. And that's where we come into this thing where, um, you know, I, on COVID man, I looked around and I went, all right, look, you know, 
doctors you're saying is serious. I'm not that guy, so I'm going to do what they say. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm an infantryman. I, I don't know what to do. Um, and I'm <laughs> an artist, so I'm going to stay home. But if your federal government fail, failed, failed, want to be clear, failed to take care of the people, failed. So when they didn't take care of the people, if you were a dude looking at your kids going, hey, I got to eat, I mean, telling you what, right now, man, I'll be out the door. You know, you got to feed your family. Yep. And they didn't do that. And so now we come to the protests, and you get a bunch of scared, upset people that are unsure of the future that have been way overloaded. Oh, yeah. Take to the streets to protest what was the murder of a black man on camera. And it was monstrous. It was terrible. It was disgusting. You know, I, I, did, I didn't even watch the video. It's, I, I, I seen the pictures and I said, yep, that's enough. It's, man, you know, and, and, and then the people finally got pissed off enough. Like, it was going to happen. And, I mean, look, man, I'm not going to mince words. Like, you know, we got an issue with police brutality. Like, and I, I, think, I, think it can, I think it can be done better than where it's being now. But the people took to the streets to protest. Now, at this point, I'm going to be clear. I don't support rioting and I don't support looting. I don't. I don't support the destruction of property, and I don't suppose I, I don't um, I don't um, support um, the defense, you know, or, or or people being you know hurt. But I also don't support law enforcement doing it. Like when you tell people you're not going to shoot tear gas at them, and that's this is where we go to Chaz. When you tell people you're not going to shoot tear gas at them and no more rubber bullets, which you're not supposed to shoot those things directly at people anyway. Like when you do that to a bunch of people who are scared. And, and who are protesting police brutality and you confirmed the brutality and the fact that they're not going to follow the rules. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like we, we, we had here, uh, I think seven in our city, seven police cars were burned down. Tons of businesses were trashed and the police were like a block over. But I mean, I, I think they just got told to stand down and let everybody kind of get it out of their system. And we'll clean it up the next day. Right. And I think that like, I think that there's an approach because like, the thing is, I'm not willing to give up the amendment rights of the people for, you know, somebody said, well, buildings are on fire. And I was like, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I hold to the rights of the people. Like the people have the right to protest. They don't have the right to do that madness. They really don't. But like, some of this stuff was a little jacked up, man. Like, what I'm what I saw was that I'm like, law enforcement did not do themselves any favors. They didn't do themselves any favors. I mean, it looked bad in the public eye. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, I can't speak for everybody. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to do your job. I don't. No, no, I would, I would never want that job. I'm just saying at the public eye, you know, it, it didn't look good. No. It looked real bad. It looked a lot and, like there is a problem. Yeah. And and now you're, you're getting a lot of stuff that's, I mean, I've seen shared, you know, three, four, five-year-old things, you know, that are just recirculating and surfacing and, you know, I didn't really read into it yet. I seen uh, Trump made a couple of executive orders. I think it was yesterday. Uh, I didn't read into it a whole lot, but um, you know, most most of the guys I know, they're just trying to do their job and go home. You know, um, yeah. But, you know that you, you read into that that police officer's history that did that. I think he had killed a total of six people uh, during his career. I think there was two shootings, and then he spun out a vehicle that killed three people. You know, it's a systemic problem, and you got you know a police union that just puts him back out there and and lets them keep going and IA that doesn't do anything about it. You know, I think that's, that's where a big problem lies. You know, you're going to have somebody that's a shithead. Well, get them off the streets. You're a meaner mate or you're done, you know? 
Well, and that's what they're doing, though, is that there is this there is a thing that they've got to stop doing, man. Um, and, and like I've had I had a lot of conversations with guys that would say, you know, like they'd say, yeah, you know, the, the whole the whole murder there of, of Mr. Floyd was was terrible. However, you know, the next thing that you hear is they're like, but, you know, what the cops are doing right now is necessary. Like I had a cop argue with me about how he didn't think it was wrong um like he told me he told me it was wrong he said i think that that 75 year old man that got shoved to the ground in buffalo was wrong then he says but i mean you know that officer is is not really liable for anything at all and i'm like dude that guy clearly lost his temper and used a wildly inappropriate level of force clearly like i've been in front of crowds before i've been in front of that i have been in front of in my life actually yeah a couple of times as big protests and angry people and a lot of that in iraq and like, man, when you escalate, when you start using that kind of force and, and you justify that crowd, you're going to get an ever increasing level of force. And what the police showed in some cases was wise restraint. Um, who's that, yeah. that guy you got there in Flint? Yeah. Sheriff? Yep. yep. That's, good. that's good, man. Yep. And then that's what I said. I think at Grand Rapids, it's kind of the same thing. They kind of stood down and they, they, they knew, you know, everybody's been locked up for three months. People are pissed. They're going to lose their shit. You know, and, you know, they stood one street over from the burning police cars and just kind of let them burn them down and clean them up the next day. It was it was over and done. And uh, it's been peaceful here so far since then. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I don't know what, what the answers are. But like I said, that, that whole Chaz situation, everybody's kind of got their eyes on that to see how that plays out. Um, so that, that'll be kind of interesting. Well, and there's there's a you know, Chaz is Chaz is a warning. You know, I, I one, I don't agree with. If you're, if you guys, you, you can't just take over a section of the United States, okay? Like, what you're going to do is you're actually going to give what I consider, and, and, and I don't mind saying it at this point, you know, I'm in agreement with the generals. The president is reckless, um, reckless and, temper, and temperamental. Um, and um, I think that, um, um, I think that they're giving him everything that he needs. I don't think they should have done that to start with. I mean, you do have the right to protest, guys, but it has to be peaceful. Like, mm. that's, that's in the, in the nature of the language. And what you're doing now is you're basically, you know, this is an armed, um, you know, this, this is an armed rebellion. Like, you, you, you literally can't do that, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, I hope that it's resolved at the lowest level of force. Um, I don't personally think, um, I don't personally think, I would like to see federal forces deployed. Uh, my reasoning for that is that um, that's a Pandora's box. How do, how do we ever put that away? And, and I know people are clicking and thinking right now, we've done it before. Right, guys, sometimes it was real bad. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, Waco and all these type of things and Ruby Ridge and, you know, you get another set of that on your hands. Yeah, well, you get that. And then you know, the really terrifying thing here is, is that like it's, you know, then how do you put that back? You know, all, yeah. all these guys right now, they're like, well, Trump's the president, you know, and, and I'm loving this because I'm rolling in this power. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and I agree with this guy, which I, I don't know how people are doing that right now, but it's, it's happening. Um, but, you, you know, it's such a it's such a cascade effect. You know, it, it's such a um, because I mean, how do you how do you ever put that back in the box? Like, guys. We use the Insurrection Act to round up German and Japanese Americans and put them in camps. I know nobody likes to talk about that, but we did that. Like, that's us. 
Oh, yeah, I, mean, I think it needs to be talked about and then that it could happen again. You know, I mean, these, these things have happened in history and that's the problem is nobody wants to talk about those things. Right. I mean, look at the bonus army. I mean, we rolled tanks on veterans that just wanted what they were promised and like killed them like they died. And we don't like to talk about these things, but the federal government has a dangerous tendency to abuse its power. And I don't know when it became we became these guys battling it out. And that's all Chaz is, is that's that's going to turn into a battleground for left versus right with the people. I, I, I agree 100 percent. I think I think that the, the Antifa Chaz guys, while they're not as well trained as the Boog boys, I think they're going to be the ones who use their weapons uh, before any other group and, and something could escalate very quickly there. You know, one of the things that I figured out when I was overseas, man, is like, depending upon the weapon system you got in your hands, you really, I mean, sometimes you can just be lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like enough bullets, man, you know, quantity is a quality all of its own. Like, um, uh, you know, in, in accuracy is obviously preferred, but you know, still a threat. And so I, you know, I know that there's this big Patriot movement that wants to go out there and fight these guys. And I'm like, I feel like I want to grab, I feel like, I feel like I'm looking at two children fighting and I want to grab them and shake them and be like, you understand that you're both Americans, right? What happened yeah. to that? Yeah. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, my, my personal beliefs, you know, I'm a, I'm a libertarian. So I scroll through my Facebook and this whole time, everybody's been posting all the Corbin stuff and freaking out. And I'm just kind of like, here's a joke. Here's something funny. You know, I'm like just living my life and just, you know, doing the best I can to, to keep my mood up, my energy up and, and not pay too much attention to any of that stuff, you know, and there's people that are on all these rabbit trails and down this queue stuff. And I mean, it's, I said, and I talked to my friends and I'm like, holy shit, man, you guys got a lot of time on your hands. It just seems weird to me, man. It seems weird. Um, I've seen people say things that I think are, are absolutely, they're despicable. Their, their loyalties have shifted to these political parties and these demagogues, man. And, and it's like, it's like belief curdled, you know, belief kind of curdles into zealotry. You know, you get a person who's a zealot and then fact no longer changes their opinion, no matter how many facts you throw at them. And so like, it's almost like belief got tired of using religion and switched over to politics in order to drive man into a dark age. Yeah. Now, the president of the United States was on television last night and said, Democrats are the enemy. Like I watched that. I watched the man say that. And I'm like, that's, those are American citizens. I mean, I understand. I don't agree with them all. I mean, some yeah. of them I get the hell out of, and some yeah. of them can catch these hands. But, like, they're still American. Yeah. Like, they're still your countrymen and women. Yeah. No matter how yeah. weird they are or how, you know, whatever you think weird is. I don't know, man. I'm pretty weird, so not much shocks me. I mean, we did, on our first meeting, sir, we did. We did have a life and death struggle struggle over a uh, over a dildo. <laughs> I want to point that out. Like, uh, that was a good. That was right a good there. day. You know, we, that's the other thing. You know, we had like a million views on that before it got pulled. I'm like, what the heck, man? Ah, <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah. So censorship too. Uh, we got a lot of that going on. <laughs> yeah, I got. I got, uh, yeah, there's a lot of censorship and there's a lot of, I mean, everybody, everybody thinks the media is this giant conglomerate with a, uh, a unified message, man. I'm not really sure. I think it's more that like, I think that it's the left versus right insanity. Yeah. yeah. 
um, that's literally ripping this country apart. And yes, it's your guy. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's for monetary gain. I mean, I, I looked and I remember back, I did some messing around with faith, Facebook change our algorithms a few years ago. You remember when that first started up and you post a picture of your dog and all of a sudden, Oh, I'm going to see a picture of my friend that has a dog and you're going to talk about goats and you, Oh, my friend's talking about goats. So that's how the algorithms were working. Well, now, you know, you go into your settings and you go deeper into there and it shows your religion. It shows your purchases. It shows, you know, your uh, political views. It shows, and, and they get paid off of time you're online, right? And same thing with the news channels. They get paid off of their clicks. <laughs> they get paid off from all, all that kind of stuff, the traffic, the ratings. And, you know, if we sit on Facebook and I say, hey, JD, I hope class was great. He said it was great, bud. Sweet, man. Keep getting after it. End of conversation, right? I'm online for two seconds to say nice things to you. Now, you get on there and you start pissing in my Cheerios about politics and I, we start fighting back and forth. You know, you're seeing the opposite views on there in your feed on purpose because fights retain people a hell of a lot longer than a nice conversation. Hey, good picture of your kid, you know, and and we're seeing a lot of false headlines with clickbait on them from from like normal news sources. And, you know, I'm the I'm that guy that'll grab the image that was uploaded. I'll reverse Google search it and find, oh, my God, this is from 2012. My local news channel pulled up a a police uh, citizen like confrontation with guard shields and this whole thing and the SWAT team. And they pulled that up from a peaceful protest and are using this to to get people anger. You know, I'm like, this isn't done on accident. This is done on purpose to create emotion, to get people to click, to get people to argue. And I'd love to see their revenue from pre-Corbid to now. Uh, I'm sure it's insane high. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of the other thing, man, is that like, I, I you know, with, with the COVID stuff and everything else, man, they, they really just, like, it, it kind of became clear that we had been sort of emotionally gerrymandered into these, these voting booths, man, we're like, we're like, uh, we're like livestock, you know, where we're just, we're, we're emotionally triggered into being uh, more attached to our political identity um, constantly in an ever feeding cycle. And, and the, the scary part about all of this is, is that what it leads to, and you're right, is it's, it's mass suggestion that, um, that anyone who disagrees with you, your leader, your political party, right or left, or whatever it is, or any any one of the thousand subsects of those two, um, like you, you dehumanize them. That's what you're doing. Everybody's yeah. dehumanizing them. They're not American anymore. They're they're libtard. They're you know they're <laughs> yeah they're, snowflakes and yeah 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 snowflakes and yeah. I'm like actually, man, it's probably just a guy that that you know he has a different opinion than you and yeah probably got kids and a job and. You know, he might be a good guy. Maybe he's not, yeah. but like, he's still an American, like yeah. control yourselves. Like this is madness. We're going to kill each other. And it's not going to be for the bouge boys. I hate to break this down for you, man, but like, it's not going to be the glorious civil war. You thought it was going to be. Uh, no, I did, and, and I just seen a poll. They said, Oh, is that uh, 35% of Americans think within the next five years, we'll have another civil war. And I'm like, that's pretty scary. Well, I have a different theory as to what that looks like. Um, and, and why it's a cautionary tale and why I want us to return to treating one another with civility and stop all of this fucking madness. 
And um, the reason for that is, is that, man, I, like, I was there when the power went out in, in, in Baghdad. I mean, like, it, yeah. it's real. And there's no organization. There, there's not going to be this, we're going to form up into squads and we're going to go out. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. People are going to be breaking into things and stealing things. You're going to be stuck in your house. And, and, man, you can't leave that. That's not like an episode of Netflix. You pause and go home and eat snacks. Like, that's your life now. Like, yeah. everything is. And then it's the collapse of the Western civilization and the Western way of life. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, I think those 35% share a, a, a reasonable fear. I mean, who knows what to expect uh, as we look at 2020, but yet I, I would call for people to plan rationally, to plan in a nonviolent fashion. And I would call for people to, to, to avert this to restore a little bit of the humanity that you see when you're looking at another American, man, black, white, gay, straight, fucking, I don't care what they believe. I don't care what they think. Like we all rally behind the constitution. That's what a patriot is. Uh, I'm okay with all that. As long as they don't spot smoke pot, JD. Oh man. Well, I, you know what? <laughs> you're up here in Canada, buddy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, man. It's, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things that, that um, I really do hope that, that people can get on board with that, man. Like I, I'm, I'm disappointed a little bit. I'm, I, you know, normally I'm a little more right leaning typically, but I, I don't know what that means anymore because I'll tell you another thing that bothered me, man. And I, I really want to put it out there for the record. Like um, the American people kind of pissed me off, especially the right kind of pissed me off, honestly, objectively. And don't immediately bracket me as a leftist. Hear me. You know, you, you guys spent all this time, not and I'm, I'm addressing people, not you specifically brother, but you know, everybody spends all this time saying, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. And then the minute one of our generals, because we remain apolitical and we don't speak out, steps up and says, man, look, guys, there's these are the problems like right here. And then he's followed by a slew of celebrated milita military commanders and people start calling General Mad Dog Mattis all of a sudden a disgruntled employee like some of the things I read about him were insane and it was on conservative pages. And I'm like, right, but thank us for our service. Right. Is that, is that the way it is? Boys? No, not anymore. You disagreed with Trump. Yeah. Yeah. I don't matter anymore. Like all those years of service, like mad dog Mattis, like mad dog is people called him. I saw people call him a coward and I'm like, bro, you can't run to the end of the street or fight sleep. And you're talking shit about mad dog Mattis. My God. Like how detached from reality are you at this point that even the words of the guys you, you, you say thank you, like I guess all that shit was just, just to get us to shut the hell up and go back to our broken-ass VA system, huh? I guess I'm yeah. figuring out why and how and why that shit never got fixed. Exactly. Yeah, there's, uh, that's, that's a whole other thing I want to get into on another one with you is get into some of the VA stuff and you know, kind of talk to that. I got another gentleman we'll probably have you jump on with. Um, he's here local. Uh, he's done some really good things for opening up different uh, veteran offices in different areas and trying to fix some of those things. I'd love to get you two on a, on a cast together here on site and have you guys have some conversations and spitball some ideas and, and uh, make some changes because uh, there's definitely some changes that need to be made. Oh, for sure, man. But I mean, even then, you know, like I, you know, the best thing that I think that I, and then that is another point I always try to make on podcasts, man, like, Dude, if you're if you're out there and you're in the veteran community right now um, and you're suffering, man, uh, like, look, call somebody like talk to them. OK, like 
veteran suicide is still very much a real thing. Um, it, it's still it's still out there. There's still a lot of people that are suffering and they're, they're in an inferior system, depending. I mean, I've heard some VAs are better than others objectively, but but these these guys, some of them don't go, man. We're conditioned. Don't go to sick call. You know, don't don't sandbag. Don't be a broke dick. Um, dude, forget that, man. You go to war with a squad. And if you need somebody, you know, call up one of the homies, man. And, and if that dude's not going to answer, shoot me a message over on JD, man. Like I, I, I'm busy as hell, but if I see that message, I will respond to that message and I will talk to you. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking any of these guys that are out there right now, if you're going through something, man, like don't hurt yourself. Like, please, you know, get some help. It's okay. Uh, I buried far too many of my friends and, and colleagues, um, over the years and, and brothers in arms. And, um, uh, far more by their own hand. And, and I think that's, that's, that's preventable, man. Like take it from a guy that's still here. If you're thinking about heading out, somebody's going to miss you really bad, man. Uh, I sit next to some empty bar stools with a beer. Uh, and, uh, don't do that to somebody else. Even if you don't care enough about yourself, don't do that to everybody else, man. They do care about you. So don't hurt yourself, please. Good stuff, man. As always. Um, like I said, I, uh, want to get you here on site here soon. Um, I know you're busy, so I, I told you I'd keep you. It's probably about an hour. I figured we'd talk a little more shit, but uh, we did a pretty good job here so far. Uh, one thing I want to do, I want to wrap up. I want you to, what's your, what's your favorite nonprofit? Who can we uh, direct people to? We're going to end this podcast every time. Uh, people can research a new nonprofit. You know, they found you interesting. Like, hey, I like this dude. I want to, you know, send some some dollars to the people that he supports and, and wants to uh, help out. So just give him a quick shout out. I'll get a link from you and then we'll upload that to the, the series of this podcast. That way people can just jump right on and donate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fantastic. So it's, uh, it's the honorable young men club, uh, young men's club. It's, uh, dedicated to kids. Um, it's, um, run by a guy named Kwaku. So I know Kwaku personally, he's a super good guy. Um, they, they do a lot of great things. You know, you see a lot of the photos of young men in, in, in suits. Uh, a lot of these young men, you know, they don't have fathers. And uh, it gives them an opportunity to get that um, to get that masculine influence to to teach them how to be you know good, upstanding um, you know patient, um, trained, capable young men that um, that can really go out and and secure a, a better future for America. Because in the middle of this mess, you know we, we're we're you know our children are watching this, guys. Like so, when you when you say some of the things you say, like remember, like they're you know the next generation is is taking a look at our behavior. And uh, I think Quaku is a force. I can confirm Kwaku's a force trying to turn things up in the other direction. He's a positive, lighthearted guy. Um, and I really believe in his mission. So, um, um, just a real humanitarian. So he's going to put that to good use. And I've seen that put into good use personally. So your donation, not wasted at all there. Beautiful, man. I love the cause. And, uh, yeah, I've seen a little bit of that online too. and read about that in the past. So really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time and I'll let you get back to, uh, probably boxing or whatever you're up to today and coaching. So uh, stay up, coach, and I'll hit you up soon and uh, see if we can't get you back on with a couple other guys and uh, shoot the shit. Yeah, man, for sure. Last thing, if you're out there right now and you're not training and you're not training, go out and shadow box, man. You don't need a gym. You don't need any of that stuff. There's a million YouTube tutorials. Get up off that couch. It's not healthy. Move your body. Throw some punches. You know what's right for you in terms of diet. Stop making excuses. You know what to eat, broccoli or chocolate. You know which one. Do the right thing, and you're going to be happier. Pay, your, pay it forward to tomorrow, man. It's not about today. It's about how great you're going to feel when you wake up. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Keep training. And as always, man, tune in. Check this podcast out, man. These guys are dope. They're fantastic. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to work more with you. And uh, maybe we'll reenact our uh, famous dildo battle.
Hell yeah, brother. All right, much love. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Yo, for sure, man. Catch you later, homie. All right, see ya. Next level. Next level. Next level shit. Next level shit. Next level. Next level. Next level shit. Next level shit. Next level shit is brought to you by Next Level Armament. We hope you enjoyed the show, and please tell your friends, give us a review, and subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Ringer, Dinger, you know, where you're listening to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Look for us uh, every couple of weeks. Peace out. Next Level Shit.